Good evening. If we had if we had the words, we would just sing that. I like that song. That's good. We're glad you're here tonight as we come together and worship. We're uh, uh, thankful for each one that's here, and we pray that uh, we'll all just join in together as we sing and as we uh, hear God's word proclaimed to us. Let's stand first of all and uh, greet one another in the name of the Lord. told you before was by one of my favorites, Fanny Crosby. I love that song. And, it, and she speaks in all of her songs about being closer to the Lord. And, and I just love to, to sing those songs. 
living for Jesus, a life that is true, striving to please Him in all that I do. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee.
I know who I have believed. And that's important for all of us as we travel this life to know who we are and whose we are. I know whom I have believed. we just thank you tonight. Thank you for that gift of salvation that you've given us. Lord, we don't understand why. But Lord, we just thank you so much that you love us so much that you gave us that free gift through your son Jesus. God, I pray that uh, you'd be with Pastor Scott as he comes tonight. Pray, Lord, that you would give him the words that we need to hear. And I pray, Lord, that we would leave this place, Lord, and, and Go out and, and show a dying and lost world. Show them Jesus, Lord, in our lives. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good evening. That was weak. I mean, thank you. Good evening. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Hey, what a song of assurance we just sang, too. I know in whom I believe it. I, I know that I believe in Jesus. I know He's able to keep what I've committed to Him until that day. Uh, what an awesome song of commitment we sang. Hey, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of James uh, for the next, uh, I don't know, months, years. I'm not sure. We're going to walk through the book of James. Uh, I love this book. It's really, really, really practical book. It's like opening up the newspaper, but better. It's good news. So uh, it's, it's just really fresh and right where we are in life. It touches the areas of our life that honestly need to be touched. And, and I appreciate the book of James. Every couple of years, I'll, I'll just pick up the book of James and kind of go through it. And I love that. It's just good for me. It's good for us as a church. 
Um, my wife and I are going to study James together through this journey, and it's just a real cool thing. She's leading a group of young ladies right now uh, through the book of James. So uh, I'm kind of teaching here, and she's teaching uh, in, a, in a small group right now, teaching some young ladies and, and uh, just enjoying the book of James. So tonight our text is going to come from James uh, chapter 1, verse, uh, beginning verse 9. And, and, and last week we learned that James was the brother of Jesus, and, and he wrote to the people who had been scattered abroad. They, they'd been moved out because of their faith. And, and these people were Jewish Christians who were under much persecution for their belief in Christ. And, and the Messiah was their Lord, and they knew that. They were unapologetic for that. But what it caused them to do is it caused them to be pushed out of where they were living, and they were dispersed. And, and most of the Christians struggled financially due to the famines of the land and the fact that they had to pick up and, and just leave so quickly and leave everything behind. So they were really, really struggling. All were undergoing various trials for their faith. They had faith in Christ, but they were experiencing these trials uh, in their faith that was being tested. And uh, they were told that they were supposed to have joy in all their trials. But in, in their trials, they were having some great struggles. Now, finally we learned that the many people who were living in the, the state uh, of this dispersion were also living doubly-minded. They, they were saying one thing about Christ being their Lord, but, but in, in order to just exist and survive, they were, they were saying something else too. And you can't live in a double-minded state. Either you're for God or you're not for God, and uh, that's the only way you can be. So, so this week we'll begin by looking at what James has to say about one of the most or one of the major reasons for segregation in the church body uh, today. So if you have your Bibles, if you will stand with me and let's read beginning in chapter one, verse nine tonight. The word of God says, But the brother of humble, humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. And the rich man is to glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too, the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my brethren, or my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that we can assemble tonight and uh, your word can be proclaimed. And God, we can sing praises unto you. I pray, Father, as we are together tonight, you would enrich our lives with truths from your word. God, that you would speak clearly to each of us individually, that we'd all leave here with something that we can apply to our life and live more holy and, and godly lives before you and before this world. Move, Father, as only you can in our hearts. Lord, you have your will and way. In us tonight, we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. So the text um, tonight talks about a couple of things I just want to address. And it's, it's, James is speaking here first about glory and humiliation in, in verse 9 through 11. And uh, he, he talks about the poor being exalted. Now, there's always has been, and it seems like in our lifetime, this divide among the socioeconomic classes where there's the rich and there's the poor. And, and a lot of times they don't mix and mingle. It's not just been in our day. This has been going on for years. There's been uh, there's some countries where we see the extreme rich and the extreme poor, and they never mix and they never mingle. But there's one thing that we have that is a common bond that should always draw us together, 
And that is the love of Christ. No matter how much you have or how little you have, we should all be drawn together for the glory of Jesus because of His love for us. So at this point, James introduces the poor and the rich, and he, he discusses them, and, and, and the poverty here discussed. He says, but bro, the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. What, what do we make of that? We make of that the fact that this person, the, the person you, maybe, maybe uh, someone you know, maybe someone in, in this world who is living in humble circumstances, who has very little, that, that their poverty has a double benefit on their life. Uh, first of all, it encourages humility. Uh, when, when we have a whole lot, and, and, and we, we may not be very humble, but when we have very little and live very meekly and, and, and very, very little in our life, it, it creates this atmosphere of humility in our life. And, and, you know, James is speaking towards that. And also requires faith in God. And it, it, it encourages that faith that we have in God. Those who are, were poor look not to themselves or to the things that they had, but to the future that they would have with Jesus. And, and that's what... James is telling us here, blessed be the man of, uh, of humble, uh, humble means. He doesn't have much, and, and he's living in this life without much. And blessed is him because, hey, in, in that, he's not looking to himself. He's not thinking of all the things he's got. He's not tied up by the stuff of this world. But he, he's able to focus on the future glory that he'll have before Jesus. What, what an amazing thought that is. You know, you and I, have a place in heaven. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and I, I hope you do, I, I trust you do, and I trust if you don't, you'll come under conviction by the Holy Spirit, and you'll be drawn into a relationship with God, because that's what He wants. It means we have to lay aside ourselves and, and take up the cross that God's got for us, and we yield our life to Him. But I would pray that that would happen in your life. And, and in that regard, we wouldn't be so attached to the things of this world. Now, i got to tell you, I've told you before, I'll tell you again. When we look at the rich and the poor, I don't believe there's a poor person in this room. I don't know that there's a poor person in this town. You say, well, Scott, I've seen some folks who were pretty poor and they didn't have much. Well, I'm going to tell you, in, re in respect to the world and the standing of humanity, we in America have a whole lot. Now, there are people in America that are poor, yes, and, and don't have much. There really are. But by and large, most people that you and I bump into on a day-to-day -day basis or live life with have way more than anybody else in this world. We have so much. The, the poverty level around the world, if you just travel, if you just go to other countries, you'll see amazing poverty. You'll see people who don't even know where their next meal is going to come from, don't even remember maybe the last meal they had that was a good meal. You'll see people that don't have a shelter or roof over their head. And if they do, you and I would be, uh, well, we, we would think uh, that we could build something real quickly that would be a whole lot better. But that's the best they have if they have a shelter over their head and, and have a car. I mean, they, they ride, if anything, they might ride an animal, but a car, they, they probably never thought of having a car. I've been in the mountains and hills of this world where we got so far from electricity, they'd They'd never seen electricity, didn't know what electricity was. They, it was just far beyond their imagination. And uh, some of the happiest people in my life I've met in those places, quite honestly, simple. I loved, loved, uh, loved life and, and the things of life. They, they didn't have a whole lot to distract them. James is saying here, he says, um, blessed, blessed is that person that, that is uh, the brother of humble circumstance. His, he can glory in his high position because in the lowliness of maybe the things that would surround them that may distract them or pull them away from a true relationship with God, they're in a place of high standing because they're clinging to God. God's what they have. They need Him. They know they need Him. And they're not looking to tomorrow and what they have on this earth, but they're looking to the end of their life here and where they'll go and, and the glorious riches that they'll experience for all of eternity. It, it doesn't take much to start reading in the end of the Bible and start getting a picture of the glory that we're going to experience in heaven and the good that God has awaiting for us. No matter what you have on this earth, 
it doesn't compare to what God has waiting for us. So he, he continues on, he says, and, and the rich man, verse 10, and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation. Uh, the, the rich are to appropriately humble themselves here on earth. So it should be a, uh, we've talked about humility a couple times here lately, and even as, uh, this, this morning we talked about being humble before the Lord. If, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, there's a, an appropriate way that we should position ourselves for God. He is the creator, the ruler of this universe. He has it all, and, and we may have something and feel like we've got it all, but we don't have it all. He, he is the one who has it all, and we come humbly before Him, and we humble ourselves in His presence. So He says that, that the rich are to glory in His humiliation because like flowering grass, He will pass away. Those who glory in their riches now, if that's what your identity is in, if, if your, your thoughts are focused on the things you have and maintaining the things you have, and that is your greatest aspiration is the things of life, uh, let me just give you a little information you already know. Let me just remind you that there will come a day when you'll have none of that. It will all be stripped from you. Just like the grass that, that fades under the scorching sun, it's withered away, Everything in life that we have that's possessions can be gone like that. At, at the death of our life, we'll carry none of that with us. Now, he, he's, telling, he's telling the rich and the poor, hey, the, the thing we need to glory in is not the things of this world, but the things of eternity. That needs to be our focus. That's where our, our hearts need to be set is for those things. And we might be, uh, maybe you're reminded of this text, I am in Matthew Chapter 19, listen to these words. The young man, uh, Jesus said to him, I'm sorry, let me, let me back, yeah, that's it, verse 21, chapter 19, verse 21. Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Uh, somebody, we're, we're standing before Jesus, the the, the Lord of this earth, the, the Creator, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, John 1.14 tells us. This, this guy standing there, he, he's doing miracles that are beyond imagination. He's, he's, he's raising the dead. He's, he's giving the sight to the blind. The lame are walking. I mean, amazing things are happening. The, the greatest rulers of the day of the church are in, in all of his teaching. They've never heard wisdom like this before. And this man looks at this rich man and says, Hey, you go sell everything you've got and come follow me. You would think that this, this guy's got it figured out. I need to follow him. I need to, I need to hear him. I need to, to listen to him. But the reality is that's not what happened. What happened was, in verse 22 it says, But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving. Grieving, it says. For he was one who owned much property. In essence, what happened there was he, he, he recognized the thing that mattered to him the most was not following the will of God, but maintaining that which was feeding his flesh. He wanted the things of this world more than he wanted the thing that God wanted to give him, which would be eternal life. And it's hard. It really is for every one of us. It's really hard for us to take our, our focus off the things that we can touch, see, smell, feel here, you know, these things that we can be a part of in our, our senses and they, they're sensory overload in this world of the things around us, but it's, it's, it's hard for us to take the identity off of that and, and focus on that which we can't see. But God is He's telling us, He's my children, I love you. And, and these things are here, but this is not the end of life. The end of life is in my presence. So the focus, the main focus in our life doesn't need to be on the things of this world, but on the one who created the world, the one who has, has given us these things, not for our possession, but for use for His glory. So he, He's saying just as fast as things can turn dry, the sun can come up and scorch, you can lose everything you got. Have y'all ever noticed we're about two weeks away from a drought, no matter where we are in life? 
I mean, it can be wet, wet, wet. And, and I, I grew up farming, okay, and living on a farm and, and, and working with farmers. And I, I'm just telling you, I, I know how quick things can turn. You can be getting so much rain, like, oh, boy, I wish, I wish we'd get a break here. I, you'll hardly ever hear me say I wish we'd get a break from the rain. Um, and we'd have to be building an ark, okay, for me to feel that way because I, I've seen it just switches just like that. It's kind of done that around here recently. This is probably the driest in four years that I've seen it uh, since I've lived in Cookville, four, four years and a couple months now. I've seen five summers, and, and I'm still amazed that the grass stays green around here because I came from Georgia where it gets really hot, about 10 degrees hotter than it does here, which is hot, okay, and humid too. And it gets dry, and I'm used to seeing brown grass in the summer and, and, and not having to cut bahia grass or Bermuda grass in the summer because it, it withers up. I know how quick that can happen. And, and what the illustration here that James has given us is as quickly as that can change, so can your condition. You, you may have it all. You may feel like you've got the world by the tail. You may feel like you've got enough riches to... To send you into eternity, but they're not gonna they're not gonna provide for you. They're not gonna continue for you. Those things can go away just like that. I don't care how much you got. And so it's, it's what do you put your value in? What where do you focus your attention and what should your heart be tuned to? It, it goes on in that Matthew passage, I've got to continue to read because it says in verse twenty three, and Jesus said to his disciples, just on the heel of that conversation with the rich rich young ruler, says in verse 23, And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. I'm going to tell you, my ears perk when I read that. My, my heart says, okay, tell me what we're talking about here. Because I have seen... Poverty-stricken people in this world. Way more. I've never been in the condition of, of literally hundreds of thousands and even millions when you go into a nation like India. You walk into, into India and you see the uh, vast poverty there that's just heartbreaking. You see kids that are malnourished and, and, and they don't even know where their next meal is going to come from. Parents that can't provide. And you're, you're like, oh, wow. This is, this is true poverty. And, and I've never experienced that. I mean, I, I, I eat for maintenance, okay? <laughs> I mean, I'm afraid I'm going to get hungry, so I eat several times a day. And, and I've said that, I think, twice a day. But reality is we, we know where our next meal is going to come from. Most of you in this room do. You know where your meal is going to come from. You know where you're going to go home tonight and have shelter. You actually have a ride when you leave here to carry you home. Most of you, you, you'll drive yourself or you'll ride with somebody in a, in a very nice vehicle. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. We'll get to that in a minute. But in reality, we're sitting here reading a text that says, And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because it is easy for a rich person to get focused on the wrong thing. It's very easy for us, instead of, Having possessions, it's easy for us to be possessed by our possessions. Now, I'm convinced that God is not against us possessing possessions. But I'm also convinced that God is not for us being possessed by our possessions. God desires for us that, that have much. Because of who has much, of much will be required of you. Now, if you've got a lot, a lot's going to be required of you. If God's entrusted us, if He's placed us in a place where we have a lot of resources and a lot of ability, then, then He is expecting us not to just lavish our life with that and be distracted from the greater goal of life eternal with Him, but to focus on what we have and how we can use what we have for His glory. Now, I truly believe that God blesses businessmen and businesswomen who have the ability to, to earn a, a, a great income and then take that income and use it as a blessing for others. Uh, we've, we've all read the stories of those who began tithing at 10% and went to 11, 12, 13, 14. They just continued to increase their, their tithing until, man, they were tithing 90% of their income. You might have read those stories. I've read those stories. It's a blessing to read those kinds of stories. We know there are 
There are a lot of people who have a lot in this world and have used it for the glory of God. What a blessing that is to see that displayed where the kingdom of God is important to people and they say, you know what, I've, got, I've been blessed and I want to take that which I have and, and that which God has given me the ability to, to have in my possession and I want to use that not for me and, and just for my glory, but I want to use it for God and for His glory. I think that is hugely awesome when we do stuff like that. I, I've seen it. You've seen it. Hopefully you've seen it. Hopefully you've been a part of it. And, and you've looked at your life and said, how can I do more for the glory of God because He's entrusted more to me? I, I could give a heap of illustrations here. I'm, I'm going to retract from it, but I hope you, you know of some of these illustrations where, where you've seen that work out. But the camel, it, it says it's easier for... a for a rich, I mean, for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter heaven, because a lot of times, just think about that. For a camel to go through the eye of a needle, that'd be pretty, pretty hard. He'd have to lose something to get through it. Well, he'd have to let go of those things which are holding him back, and the possessions which he is so possessed by to be able to enter into the place where God would have him be in his life. And so uh, the, the, the message here is that, you know, really humility rises. Those who are of humble estate, those who are of a humble position are focused because they're, they're, they're poor. They're not, they're not blessed in this world with all the riches and the baggage that goes with that, honestly. They're focused on what the future holds for them in Christ. And for those who have, if they're not careful, will get consumed by their stuff and miss what God has for them, which is far more valuable than the things that we count as possessions here on earth. So it's important for us to keep our perspective right, that, that God's eternal realm, the, that which He has gone to prepare for us, as John fourteen six says, or John chapter 14 says, I go to prepare a place for you, if it were not so, I'd have told you, in my Father's house are many, many dwelling places. He, he's got a place for us. And he's going to come back for us. He, he's got a place for you, a place for me, that far exceeds anything that we could ever build. And our, our thoughts, our focus, our, our mentality needs to be on that which lies ahead instead of that which lies right here. If not, we'll get really caught up and distracted and miss what God's called us to. There's some common ground, though. James addresses this at this time because the, the end of all people is the same. No, no matter whether you're, you're rich or poor, uh, at the end of the day, the flower does fade. The, the, there, there are, the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and the flowers fall off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So, too, the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade. Notice it says, in the midst of his pursuits, instead of in the midst of the pursuits of the kingdom of God. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So our seeking should be for the kingdom of God and for his righteousness, the righteousness which comes from God. Not self-made righteousness, uh, that's filthy rags, but the righteousness that comes from God. That should be our seeking. We should seek first that. And uh, so the common ground is that every single one of us are going to wind up on our knees. What does uh, Philippians 2, verse 5 through 11 tell us? Well, at the end of the times, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. Christ Jesus is Lord. So we're going to bow down before Him and we're going to recognize who He is. Lost and saved are going to know in the end that Jesus is real. Eternity is for sure. Everybody's going to know that. And it's, it's good if we can get that perspective today and begin to live in that direction and recognize that when we have things, when God's blessed us financially, that we take what God's given us and we say, God, this is yours. You've given me the privilege to have this, but it's yours. And, and I, I want to glorify you in what I have. So help me, God, glorify you with that which you provided me with. Because without God, we wouldn't have it anyhow. Amen? He would say, well, so-and-so left it to me, or I earned it. Or, you, you couldn't earn it if you didn't have the mind and the body to work with. 
You, you couldn't earn it. If, I mean, if God hadn't have given you the breath of life, you couldn't have earned it. You know what I mean? Somewhere along the way, somebody was blessed by God to have the opportunity to gain it, and uh, now you're given control of it, so it ought to be for His glory. So James is trying to level the playing field and letting us know it that these things, uh, there's a separation that can come from rich and poor, and and we don't need to separate the church over rich and poor, but all come together. Uh, Rich and poor come together. Those with a lot and those with little come together around one, one thing that matters. That's Jesus and the future that we have with Him. Verse 12 says, Blesses the man who perseveres under trials. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love Him. You you look at this text through verse 16, and and what you see here is the trials of temptation. Blessed is the man uh, when he endures. So there's going to be persecution comes, and and, and when we, or trials that come, and when those come, blessed is the man who perseveres under trials. But once he's walked through it, once you've, been, once you've made it successfully through the trial, how many of you like to make it through a trial? I, I, I like the other side, okay? I've, I've heard before, you're either uh, heading into one, you're in the middle of one, or you're just coming out of one. I, I like to be just coming out of one. Uh, I, I don't like to be heading in, I don't like the middle of it. Those are tough times. I like the mountaintop experience, and you do too. I mean, if we're just honest, we don't like the pressures of life. We don't like to be... Uh, in bad times, we like to be in good times. We like we like blue skies and and uh, beautiful days and and mountaintop experiences. But I've I've been on the mountaintop physically. I've, I've been on a lot of mountaintops, and you know, on, on the top of a mountain, it's just pretty rocky. If you get to the top of a mountain, and the soil's pretty thin, and and things just don't flourish on top of a mountain. They flourish in the valley. That's where all the, the weathered soil has been washed and, and the wind has beaten the soil and, and pushed it down into the valleys and the, the top soil's the deepest. And that's where things grow the best. That's where the water runs. And when it rains, it, it fills up the valleys and that's where things flourish. But we don't like to be in a valley, do we? But we know that God's with us even in the valley. Amen? So we, we see here, blesses the man who perseveres under trial. For once he's been approved, once he's come through it, he receives the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Our reward is revealed. Man, we've got a crown of life when we persevere under these trials. When we, God, God allows you and I to be tested. He, he tests us. A, a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. So he allows you and I to go through testing. He wants us to be tested, not so he can find out how good we are or what we what we know if we can pass the test. It's not that. He, he's not the, the grade school teacher that's marking an A, B, or C, or D. What he's doing, he's allowing us to be tested so that we can understand where we need to grow, how, how we need to develop our faith. So he allows us to be tested. And, and when we go through these trials of life and we persevere through these trials, we, we continue we recognize there's value for going through these trials. As we walk through these trials, it, it brings about endurance in our life and perseverance. And we recognize Jesus never left us in the trial. And we learn something in the trial. And we're better for the trial. So we, we see that in this text. And he says in verse 13, that Let no one say he is tempted, for I am, or I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and He Himself does not tempt anyone. So, we, we know that temptation doesn't come from God. Temptation comes from Satan. It, it, is, it is God's desire to test you and bring you through trials so that He can mature your faith, give you endurance and perseverance, and help you become the person that He's called you to be. It's training ground for the future the future journey here in life with others, but also for the future glory in heaven when we're in His presence. It it, it helps if we've been perfected by the time we get there. So God's working on our life. He's going to send us through trials that will help prove us and help us become the people He's called us to be. But along the journey, Satan is going to tempt you. He is going to try to trip you up. 
He's going to try to get me. Oh, if he can get me and he can get you, and then he can cause devastation among the body. God, God never wants his body to be destroyed, but Satan wants his body, the body of Christ, to be destroyed. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but, but I came to give life more abundantly. He, he wants to give us life, an abundant life, but Satan wants to destroy us. So we see this being played out. God will never tempt you. And He'll never even, it goes on to say in Scripture, He'll never allow you to be tempted beyond what you can withstand and give you a way that you can get out. I'm telling you, you never hit a place in your life where you had to do what was wrong or against God's will called sin. Anytime sin is an opportunity for you or for me, there's always an exit door. He always gives us an exit door. God won't allow us to be tempted by Satan to a place that we can't say no and go the other way. That's what we were talking about today in, 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 in 2 Chronicles 7:14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, there's always a place of turning. There's a place that you can get out. When, when God went down and Cain and Abel were in a dispute and Cain wanted to kill Abel, he said, Cain, Cain, why is your countenance fallen? Sin is crouched at your door. You must master it. God wouldn't tell Cain to master something he couldn't master, but he gave him an opportunity to rise and turn and not try to kill his brother. God always gives us a way out. Satan will tempt you, but God's a, he's the provider of the exit to come out and come through it. So here he's telling us, James is telling us, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot tempt Okay, he cannot be tempted by even he, he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Where does this carrying away come from? Satan leading us away. Satan ever so slowly will lead us away. I'm telling you, man never falls in a day. A woman never falls in a moment or in a day. It's always a slow fade. It's, it's a little bit here, a little bit there. It's, it's making this decision. It's, it's sacrificing on, on this standard. It's, it's just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And, and before you know it, you, you've journeyed away from the exact place that God called you to be in the middle of His will. And you've allowed things into your life that you should have never allowed in your life, and you find yourself way down the journey and in a place where you shouldn't be. So I tell my kids, I say, hey, guys, it's not this decision. It's not that decision. It's a whole bunch of decisions that cause a train wreck in life. It's that you, you begin making one bad choice. You, you, you decided to hang out with this group of friends, and you didn't feel real comfortable with it. You knew it wasn't best, but you, you, you lowered your standard just a bit. And, and, and then they offered you this, and, and you, you take that, and, and, and it, 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 then you next thing you take this, and the next thing you take this. And, and before you know it, you're, you're, you're down a road that you don't even know how to come out of. And you're, you're trapped by something. You're, you're caught, and you've been tempted to the place that, that you've fallen. And it happens in our lives. If we're not very cautious and careful, we, we get enticed, we get pulled away by Satan. It's his desire. And that can happen with anyone in this room. Any man, any woman can, can see another person of the opposite sex at, at work and begin to have a conversation and enter into a, a kind of a conversation they know they shouldn't enter into if they're, they're married and have a spouse and they're to be faithful to that spouse. And the next thing you know, they're, they're conversing about things they shouldn't converse about Water cooler talk gets a little more romantic, and next thing you know, they're, they're walking down a road they should never walk down. It, but it doesn't happen in a moment. It happens over a period of time of relaxing that standard and that moral uh, integrity which God tries to give us, and he, he, he carries us through trials to build that up, but the temptation comes and carries us away and entices us by what? Lust. Lust. The desires of the flesh, the, the, the lust of the eyes, the, the lust of the flesh, the, the pride of life, these things are, are out to destroy us, and we have to capture those things in our life, have to shore them up and be sure that we're standing in the right place. Each one is tempted, though. You think through this, verse 15 says, When lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my 
beloved brethren. There's a way, there's a way we can keep from being deceived. It goes back to what he said in verse 8, or verse 7 and 8. It says, For that man ought not to expect, when he's praying, he's praying with doubt, that man ought not expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. It's an instability. When we set ourselves in faith in Christ, and we plant our life with Jesus, and we walk daily with Him, with our focus on Him, our desire is to live for Him, to love Him. We position ourselves before Him every morning. We practice the, the things which will build us up in the faith. And we, we put the disciplines, the spiritual disciplines like we're talking about on Sunday morning, at work in our lives, and we position ourselves in practice before the Lord. Then we begin to recognize the power of God in our lives, and, and we want more of it. And, and we, we position ourselves then to where... We don't find ourselves doubting God, but we, we have faith in God. And when we have faith in God, we don't get tossed by every wind of doctrine that comes along. We don't get pulled this way and that way. It's not like riding a roller coaster. Maybe we on a straight walk with Jesus when we're doing that. But now when we're doubly minded and we're over here and over there, we're all over the place, we don't know what's truth, then it, we're open and susceptible to be destroyed by Satan. It's not God's will for us to be moved back and forth and off the, by every wind of doctrine, but to be faithfully walking with Jesus. So we, we see in this, we see that lust is conceived, gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren, brethren. Every good thing. So if it's good and every perfect gift, if it's perfect, if it's good and it's perfect, it's from above, coming down from the Father of light. So it, where's light come from? It comes from Jesus. Darkness comes from Satan. So that which is of light will come down from God. Every good and perfect gift is from above. And we need to look for the good and perfect gift. How do we know the good and perfect gift from that which is Satan will try to disguise? He's a, he's a disguiser. He, he, he's, a, he's a mimicker of God. How do we know the difference? We have to know the Word. If we're not in the Word and we don't know the Word of God, if we're not a student of God's Word, we'll easily or more easily be deceived by Satan. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's so important for us to be in God's Word. So important for us to spend time in God's Word, reading God's Word, letting God's Word penetrate our hearts and, and, and permeate our lives so that when we, when we rise and, and we walk out of our house, we've got on the armor of God, as Ephesians 6 tells us. We'll never face sin the same way. Unarmed, we'll be destroyed. The flaming darts of, the sa of Satan will destroy us. They'll penetrate our lives and they'll destroy us. But the Word of God, Deuteronomy 6 tells us the Word of God is to penetrate that heart. Not the flaming darts of Satan, but the Word of God is to penetrate our heart. We have to suit up and put on the armor of God so that we can stand against the flaming darts of the devil. So as we, we see, every good gift is... Is, and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation. There, there's no variation or, or shifting shadow. There, there's, there's nothing un unstable about God. He, he's going to bring consistency to our lives, and He's going to consistently present truth to us. And we see that here. In, in the exercise of His will, He brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among His creatures. Glory in Christ as your Lord and Savior is what we're called to do. We're to be focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, not on the things of this world, the money of this world. We're to recognize that trials and temptations are going to come. Trials are going to be brought to us by God so that we can persevere and, and endure those trials and walk through them and learn from them and experience God in the midst of our trials. Temptations are going to come. Satan's going to try to tempt us. He's going to try to trip us, destroy us. It's his desire to, to just flatline us, every one of us. It's his goal. But God's goal is to give us the good and perfect gifts, and they come from above. And we, we have the privilege of knowing him, the stability of God in our life, unwavering, consistent. We can stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We can position ourselves in his word. We can have a, a, a faithful passionate relationship with Him, 
and He will touch our lives. So when we face the trials of life, when we experience the temptations of Satan, we can withstand Satan's temptation because if we live for Jesus, we have Him on our side. He'll never allow us to be tempted beyond what we can handle. Temptation will come. Trials will come. One thing we need to recognize, though, is we have a lot in our life. And we cannot let the things that we have consume us. We need to use the things we have to be kingdom-minded focuses. So take what God's given us, let us use it for His glory, and not be caught in a trap that Satan would love to destroy us with. James is speaking that into our hearts and our lives. It's practical for every single one of us. No matter what you have, how much you have, everybody has something. And we need to humble ourselves before the Lord and recognize this world offers us much. But nothing, nothing in comparison to what God offers us in eternity. And our focus should be on eternity. Father, we love you and we thank you for the time we've had together tonight in your word. God, I pray that you just continue to, to bless us and strengthen us in your word. Help us to understand how, how we can live our lives more effectively and faithfully for you. God, when we face the, the trials that we'll face this week, let them be for the purification of who we are and, and the strength of us and the perseverance, God. And let us walk stronger with you and, and learn more about you this week as we turn to your word and we, we put our focus on you and the things that matter for eternity. God, I ask you as Satan tempts us this week, God, that we would have the armor of God on us, your God, your armor, God, put on us, and we would we'd be prepared to face whatever comes our way. We wouldn't be uh, caught up in possessions and, and the things of this world, but we'd have a heavenly mindset. We'd be focused on, on the uh, eternal glory of who you are, and, and we'd, we'd focus on what lies ahead. And we want to r- arrive in your presence in good standing, God. I know that if we surrender our life to you, we'll always have that relationship. But God, we want the fellowship to be pure. We want the fellowship to be sweet. And we want to be able to stand before you, Lord, and worship you as King and and Savior. So God, keep our eyes focused on the future, recognizing every good gift, every perfect gift comes from you. Let us focus on those things. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great night.